John chapter 10. Um, John chapter 10 is these next couple of chapters, chapter 10, chapter 11, um, they're quite remarkable in, in different ways. Um, in John chapter 10, it's such a good um, chapter of just Christ speaking and teaching this parable of the sheep that we don't even need to to kind of go anywhere else except walk through this chapter. But there are some tremendous theological truths in this chapter that you don't get as much insight in other places as you do here. So what we're going to do is just let uh, the words of Christ kind of guide our thoughts tonight. Uh, Verse 1, he says, Most assuredly I say to you, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Okay, so Jesus begins this lesson. And he begins just randomly talking about sheep. Obviously, the people that live in this region have a pretty good idea of what it takes to take care of sheep. Shepherding is quite a... Uh, common uh, occupation there. And so he starts with this idea of a sheepfold. So what is a sheepfold? A sheepfold is very simply where you keep the sheep. And in this sheepfold we have a door. And in the door of the sheepfold anyone who tries to get in the sheepfold other than through the door is pronounced to be a thief and a robber. They're climbing in some way to steal or harm the sheep. Verse 2. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hears his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and they lead them out. When he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Gary shared a testimony the other day about a, um, an illustration he saw where they took, I think it was three or four different shepherds, and they took all of their sheep and put them in a sheepfold and mixed them up. And all of the shepherds stood outside of the sheepfold, and they opened the door, and they each began to call their sheep. And every one of them had a unique call. Some would yodel, some would yelp, some would, or whatever they would do. But every sheep went straight to their shepherd. Not one sheep went to the wrong guy. And it was the idea of having a unique voice that they would hear and recognize and that they would then go to. Verse 5, yet by no means will they follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Um, Larry, we, we came over this afternoon, or was it, it might have been yesterday morning, that yeah, he brought some things over to the house from Nineveh, and... Uh, he was not greeted very kindly by our dogs. Even though he was carrying a box of meat, you would think the dogs would be happy to see you with his box of meat. 
but they were not happy to see him. They didn't recognize him. They didn't know his voice. And now when I come home from work, they greet me much differently. Um, their voices are, are upbeat and happy, and they know that the possibility of dinner is near as I walk in the door, and it makes them very happy. What's really interesting is um, the routine in my house is I get up at a certain time of day and and do some walking on the treadmill, and uh, Liz uh, sleeps a little bit longer. And so when I get up, I let the dogs out. And so every once in a while, if I'm not getting up early, um, the dogs don't know that. And so one of our dogs likes to come, our bedroom's downstairs, she likes to come to the door right around where it's time for him to go out and do a little whining. If he hears the alarm go off or he hears any kind of rustling in the room, he'll, ah, 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 and I'm getting up and he's excited. Um, and so if I'm not getting up, I will say, Toby, go lay down. Toby, lay down. And Toby gets louder. And then Elizabeth says, Toby! And he's done. There's not a peep. There's quietness. He goes away, and you won't hear from him the rest of the morning. And the sheep knows the voice of the shepherd. There's there's a certain difference in our voices. And um, it's really interesting because when I get up in the morning and walk out of the room, he's waiting just outside the door, but a little bit I'm quiet and, and until he sees if it's myself or Liz coming out the door. If it's me, it's, okay, this is good. This is, I'm so happy. And so there's, there's a recognition of animals for their owners and for those who mean business and those who can care for them. Um, and we see that in verse five. They will no means follow a stranger. Verse six, Jesus used this illustration but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. So I want you to picture this and imagine that they are waiting. We're all, I mean, in John chapter 11, Lazarus is risen from the dead. In John chapter 12, Jesus rides in to Jerusalem on the donkey. So we're getting very close to the last week of his life. And he, he's becoming well-known. He's been a great teacher. And they gather around and he's talking about sheep. And the people are going, do you have any idea why he's talking to us about sheep? Do you know? I don't get this. Do you understand it? And at first they did not understand it. Now when I tell you that and I read this to you because of our knowledge of Christ, every one of us, including the girls, could probably tell us what all of these things mean who the shepherd is, who the sheep are, who the thief is, and what God is trying to say. I, I, I have no doubt Gabby could tell us the whole story and be right on. Um, but to those who haven't, remember this is before the Lamb of God died for our sins. It's before we live in this time. So Jesus then explains it to them, which is great for us, isn't it? We don't need for myself, boy, I've, I've heard a, three or four minutes of a sermon this afternoon that was atrocious and I don't know what this guy was talking about where he gets these things and and it's all about you know 
reading the word's not enough. We have to speak the word. When you say the word of God, that's the only time the word of God has power. Unless you speak it out loud, it has no power. That is pure far foddle. I just made up a word foddle. All right, verse seven. Then Jesus said to them again, "Most assuredly, I say to you." I am the door of the sheep. So he explains it to him. He is the door. So now you picture the sheepfold, and Christ is the door. In John fourteen six, he said, I am the what? The way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the only one into the fold, which is obviously what? It's, it's to heaven. It's to the body of Christ. Everything we talked about this morning... I am part of the fold of God, the body of Christ. Because when I heard the voice of my shepherd, Jesus Christ, the Lord is my shepherd, I recognized it and followed him. And now he's protecting me. And any other way is not through this door that is Christ. It is Satan trying to steal you away from God, trying to rob you of your eternal life. Verse 8, all who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I spent a week in Scientology, one week in Scientology, and and it took me a week to realize, uh, no, not, not, this is crazy. It's I've been 40 years a Christian, and my family thought for sure that this was just the phase I was going through and that this would wear off just like Scientology did. Um, well, still going strong. Still going strong. Why? Because it's the truth. Scientology was the thief. Because I was a sheep, I, I, it didn't take me long to recognize that that was not my shepherd. That's not who I wanted to follow. I knew there was something to follow. I just didn't know what it was. Verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that you may have life and you may have it more abundantly. So the thief is obviously Satan. And Satan comes to accuse you and to rob from you what God promises to give you. Now, Satan cannot take away your salvation. However, the Bible does says that as Christians, if we don't put on the whole armor of God, then we will not be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the tricks of the devil. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against rulers of darkness. So what Satan does want to do is rob you of your love, your joy, your peace, your kindness, your patience. And he wants to make sure that you are no good for the kingdom of God. He wants to steal your testimony. He wants to steal and, and, and ruin your marriage. He wants to ruin your reputation. He walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But thankfully, 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in us than he that is what? In the world. So if we stay focused on our shepherd, and but the Bible says all we like sheep have done what? Gone astray. And yet the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down and read pastures. Uh, thy rod and thy staff, they what? 
they comfort me and you have that little staff where that, that is used to protect you, guide you, and then rescue you when you fall and when you stumble. Uh, but Satan is out there to destroy you, ruin you. But he cannot steal you away from the fold that the, the shepherd gives you. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So who are the sheep? Well, that's us. The shepherd is Christ. The door is Christ. The thief is Satan. The fold is the body of Christ or heaven. And so the shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God demonstrates his love towards us that while we're the sinners, Christ died for us. All of those beautiful pictures of the Lamb of God. In fact, was the first thing John the Baptist said when Jesus came walking up. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Verse 12 is very, very important and very, very interesting. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and does not care about the sheep. So in verse 12 and 13, we're introduced to another character. This character in this parable is called the hireling. And it represents somebody who watches the sheep because obviously a shepherd cannot be there 24 hours a day. He has to sleep. He has to eat. And so as he sleeps, he hires someone almost like a business would hire a security guard at night to watch after the business. Well, is that minimum wage security guard going to die for the business? Most likely not. The owner of the business may. And so a hireling is one who is hired or, or brought by the shepherd to care for the sheep. He is not the one who would die for the sheep. So who's the hireling? Well, that's us. Specifically in this particular room, it's me. The very word pastor is over-shepherd or under-shepherd in which you are just being responsible for a small part to lead them to the sheep, to lead them to the shepherd, to point the, to, to be an encouragement, to be a teacher, to be an example, all those things. But I am not the one who died for you. And I am not the one that your commitment and, and should be to. Um, it is to Christ. And any pastor does not point the congregation to Christ and not to themselves is, is a borderline false prophet. And there's hundreds of them out there who are building a ministry on their own name ministries named after themselves and you have to be careful there because we as sheep tend to be more comfortable with a shepherd that we can see the problem is if you put your trust and faith and all your energy into a hireling the hireling will let you down the hireling might fall into sin 
The hireling might hurt your feelings. The hireling might put himself first. Your shepherd will never do that. So if your eyes are focused on the shepherd, he will lay down his life for the sheep. A hireling won't. And have you ever talked to somebody or know somebody who doesn't go to church anymore because of something a pastor or a church leader said to them or did? We tend to always blame the hireling, but the scriptures are really clear. Hirelings aren't where our focus of worship is. It's not our focus of commitment. And so you're actually building your life on sand in that manner. Does that make sense? Uh, Jesus says in verse 14, but I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and have known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep over and over again. He is the one who lays down his life. Verse 16 is really great. It's such a good verse. So let's let's figure this one out. There are other sheep I have which are not in this fold. Them I must bring. They will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. So who are these other sheep? What do we know about them? They're not in the fold. They will be brought into the fold and they'll be brought into the fold as soon as they hear the voice of their shepherd. And once all those who are the other sheep hear the voice of the shepherd, then we'll have one flock. So who are these other sheep? It's us. 2,000 years ago, we weren't alive yet. But we read verses this morning about how God knew us before the foundations of the world. And the the moment we're born, David was known before he was in his mother's womb, wasn't he? And so I don't know who sheep are. I don't know who those are that we talk to that as soon as they hear the voice of their shepherd, they'll respond to him. God does. Our responsibility is to preach the world to every nation, to spread the gospel, to go into every nation, because there are sheep everywhere. There are sheep. We we had a great uh, month of missionary work, and we talked this evening uh, a little bit about what it's like in countries where where missionaries aren't allowed, like China and North Korea. Well, there are, aren't there sheep in China and North Korea? There are. And how will they hear? You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the Bible says, how are they going to hear unless somebody goes and tells them? Here's the issue though. If you go and you say to somebody, let me tell you about our church. It's the most beautiful, wonderful church you've ever gone to. Or let me tell you about our denomination. Here's what our denomination believes. The denomination and the church is not the shepherd and the sheep don't recognize it. They won't follow it. Our job is simply to go and, and quote John 3.16. John 3.16 is the voice of the shepherd. And that simple verse 
will be responded to by the sheep. Some will hear it and go, remember Jesus told the Pharisees, you don't hear me because you're not my sheep. That's why you didn't hear me. You over your father, the devil. Isn't that interesting? And so our job is very simple. Larry, we were talking Saturday, Larry gave a great big, uh, beautiful uh, illustration yesterday in, in prayer meeting about the sowing of the seeds. They land on four different grounds. And one of the verses he read from that was, so therefore give heed to how you hear. Well, sometimes we're throwing seeds that don't, aren't the right seeds. We throw the seeds of the gospel. Sometimes it falls on shallow ground, hard ground, good ground. We don't know. We just keep feeding the, the name of the shepherd. Uh, and there are other sheep. Remember Jesus said, I leave the 99, right? So there are 99 in the fold, but there's a sheep out there that hasn't heard him yet. And he goes and gets that one lost sheep. Still a sheep. Just not saved yet because he hasn't heard the voice of the shepherd. So what is God's method of getting the voice of the shepherd to that lost sheep? It's us. That's what we're doing here. Verse 17, Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I received from my father. Now remember the timing of this. Lazarus is going to be risen from the dead and then they're going to want to kill Jesus because of it and then Jesus rides in on the foal in chapter 12 and so Jesus is preparing them now for his death. I must lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 19 says, Therefore there was division among the Jews because of these sayings. Many of them said, He has a demon and he is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So the feast of the dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple of Solomon's porch. So as he said these things, there's always going to be division. Some are going to believe it. Some are not going to believe it. Some will never believe it. But the sheep will recognize the voice of the shepherd. Remember the Bible says that, you know, some sow, some water, some reap. There's a process sometimes of a person really being drawn. The Bible says no one comes to, the, to me unless the Father draws him. So there's a process of that. We are learning in Acts chapter 9 that the Apostle Paul, before he became a Christian, the Bible says God said you were kicking against the goads. Remember that? That he was being drawn by God. But Paul was always a sheep. His response to the gospel at first was anger, violence, wreaked havoc on the church. But did he get away? No, he didn't get away. God stopped him in his tracks. So verse 23, Jesus walked in the temple, which is Solomon's porch, and the Jews surrounded him and said, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And the main reason they wanted to was because they wanted him to publicly blaspheme in their eyes. They wanted him to publicly say, I am the Christ, so then they could turn around and say what? Blasphemer. Let's take him. Let's arrest him. So Jesus answered them and said, I told you, 
and you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. Verse 26 is one of the most theologically important verses here we may ever read. It gives us insight to why people, and, and I don't know who the sheep are, and I don't know that somebody, you know, you wouldn't have expected the Apostle Paul to have been a sheep. You just wouldn't have expected it. But he was. And God said to Ananias, when Ananias says, Oh God, do you know who this guy is? You want me to go heal him of his blindness? Do you realize all the bad things he's done? And do you remember God's response to Ananias? He is a what? Chosen vessel of mine. He was already pre-chosen by God, predestined by God to, to write most of the New Testament even though he certainly on the outside didn't look like anybody ever capable of doing that. So sometimes I was talking to somebody this week about this subject and they didn't like the idea of the the shepherd uh, choosing the sheep because it made them think, well, that means uh, maybe my family has no chance of ever coming to Christ. No, it means that if they're a sheep, there's no way they'll ever get away from God. He'll find them. The sheep will hear his voice and they will follow him. It also takes the pressure off us as those who witness. It's it's not how eloquent you are and how clever you are and all of the illustrations you use. It is the word of God. It will not return void. There's a great verse where uh, God told Samuel, I'll let none of your words fall to the ground. And so when we preach the word, the Holy Spirit will do with that word whatever he's going to do with it. And if it falls into the heart of a sheep, that sheep will be changed. Our problem is, is that we look too much at the fact that our, you know, if, if you had the, the sowing of the seeds, what would be your percentage of success? It'd be 25%. That's pretty, that'd be pretty high, by the way. If you talk to a hundred people and two of them come to know Christ, that's pretty good. The angels rejoice in heaven when one. And so we continue to sow the seeds of the gospel and let the Holy Spirit work. He says in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Are there any ifs or hesitations in that verse? It's a promise of God. I give to them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither will anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. I am in the fold of God. I am a sheep. I have followed the shepherd. I went through the proper door, which is Christ Jesus. Therefore, I am in the fold for eternity. I will never perish. The thief can rob me of my joy. The thief can rob me of my testimony. But he'll never rob me of my inheritance that we talked about this morning. I am sealed to the day of redemption in the Father's hand and the Son's hand. Then the Jews took up stones to stone him. Well, what what are they mad about in verse 31? What's he say in verse 30? 
I and my father are one. That's quite a statement, isn't it? So they take up, yeah, we got them. We got them. Pick up the stones. And Jesus said something so important for us. This, this helped me so much. For a person who gets very sensitive about criticism and sensitive in this going back and forth, and I lack a little confidence in, in my ability to stand for the faith when I was younger, especially I'm a little more confident now as an older man. But he says, Many works have I shown you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? So Jesus says, Many good works I have done. The way Christ handles this is so encouraging to us. They're going to stone him. And he says, Okay, before you stone me, uh, I've done many good things. Which is the one you're mad at? Is it the uh, raising people from the dead? Is it the uh, healing the blind? Healing the lame man? Feeding the 5,000? Uh, telling you to love your enemies? Telling you to be kind to your neighbors? Just I want to be clear. Which of those things did I do wrong? What What is it that I... And, and this is actually something where I have asked people uh, based on this verse... Um, when they say, "Oh, Christians," and and I'll say, "Well, what is what is what exactly is is wrong with the Bible? Is it the love your enemy? Is it not stealing? Is that the part that bothers you? How about not you're not supposed to murder one another? You're supposed to be kind one to another, forgiving one another. Is it uh, to um, put others ahead of yourself not look on your own needs but always on the needs of others is that the problem is it that he died for you uh and and even why you were still sinning and that he loves you even though you're young which is the part you don't like about the bible and when you go to all the good things uh there's not a whole lot because they'll say things that are just well i they're so narrow-minded and you're homophobic and you're anti this and you're anti that but when you get to the, to what would the world be like? Let me ask you this for one second. If everyone lived according to the morals and commandments of God, how would the world be different? What would the world be like if everybody just lived according to the rules and regulations of God and Scripture? Can you imagine how different it would be? We wouldn't need a police force. Wouldn't have to have it. There'd be no stealing. There'd be no violence. There wouldn't be the political situation we have. It would be... And yet, that's what people are fighting to keep out. Do you see? And that's what Jesus is saying. And we can use that same type of defense of our faith. What good thing that Christ has done for us do you not like? Which is the part? And, and if you go to John chapter 3, the, the, the problem is men prefer darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. The bottom line is, is people just want to sin. You know, and so when, even, how beautiful, because we're just so sinful. It's amazing what mankind does that brings them no joy. And it's always when, when I, we were talking to, uh, years and years ago, goth was a big thing with some of the young people, dressed up in black and the black fingernails. And, and so there was a, 
particular student from one year to the next. Something happened over the summer, and this student came back. And so I was walking in, and he was in the mall, and uh, black, long black jacket, black fingernail polish, and black eyeliner. This is a guy in black everything. And uh, so he's with six other people dressed the same. And I said, uh, I said, Brian. He said, oh, hey, Mr. Flanagan. I said, what's going on? He says, well, I'm just tired of being like everybody else. And I said, really? Because you look exactly like those other six people. It seems like you're being influenced not. It seems like if you were tired of being like everybody else, you wouldn't dress like everybody you're with. Oh, Mr. Flanagan, you know what I mean. I said, no, I don't know what you mean. But we just conform, don't we? The Bible says be not conformed to the world, but be transformed. And so we're just like sheep. What are they doing? Remember how a sheep goes? One strays and goes off the cliff. What does other people do? I just follow that sheep right off. And that sounds like politics too, doesn't it? <laughs> just follow whatever. Um, verse 33, the, they answered and said, For a good work we don't stone you, but for blasphemy, because you being a man make yourself God. Jesus answered and said, Is written in your laws, I said, You are God. So he takes Psalm 82 6 and he says, If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him who the Father sanctified and sent into this world, you're blaspheming? Because I said, I'm the Son of God. By the way, what's blasphemy? Blasphemy is claiming to be God when you are not. When you are God, you're allowed to say you're God. I cannot put a red light on my car and pull somebody over and write them a ticket. That's against the law. Why? I'm not a police officer. But a police officer is allowed to do it. A police officer cannot be ticketed for pretending to be a police officer. And Jesus cannot commit blasphemy. Only one that can't <laughs> commit blasphemy. Verse 37, If I do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But I do, though you do not believe. Believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I am in him. It's not blasphemy because I am Him. I am in God. He is in me. And all you got to do is believe me. Therefore they sought again to seize Him, but He escaped out of their hand. I don't know how He escaped, but He does this all the time. He just disappeared. Uh, one verse said He walked through the midst of them in another section. Um, Jesus is in control of the, everything. He went his way again beyond the Jordan to a place where John was baptizing at first, and there he stayed. Then many came to him and said, John performed no sign, but all the things that John spoke about this men were true. Verse 42 is very important. And many believed in him there. Jesus got into these conversations many times with the Pharisees. And while the Pharisees, other than Nicodemus, we don't really see the majority of the Pharisees turning to him. 
So you would ask yourself, and why does he keep wasting his time going back and forth with these Pharisees? Because people around him are listening. And those around him are hearing. And they follow him and say, hey, we believe you. They may not do that in the presence of the Pharisees because there's some fear there. Just like we have no idea what a person does with uh, the message this morning. What do they do when they get home? What do they think about? I remember going to church on Easter Sunday. And it wasn't what happened in the, the church service that that changed me forever. It was what happened a couple hours later. While the Holy Spirit took all the words I heard and, and worked on them in my soul and my spirit and uh, transformed me. Make sense? Point to the shepherd. Point to the shepherd. Point to the shepherd. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your words. We thank you, Father, that we have uh, discovered through your mercy and grace who the shepherd is. That someone came to us and was uh, unselfish enough to share with us the voice of our Savior. We recognize the shepherd followed him and we have eternal life secured in your hands. And we thank you for that, Lord. Help us to be diligent to present this shepherd to those who you present before us in Jesus' name. Amen.